oh, I don't even have the fucking, our, man, this is how prepared I am, our, <laughs> what we're supposed to say, because I don't know what we're supposed to say. Yeah, I was just, like, trying to think like, of it. What but are we missing? Yeah, maybe I have one of mine in my bag, though. It's like, hi, you're listening to Texas 10. Remember, I changed it. Yeah, and I think if I have to try to remember it on my own, I'll sound like a goddamn flight attendant. Mm. Okay, whatever, sorry. Okay. <laughs> recording uh yeah oh okay perfect so welcome to texas 1031 y'all um we're your hosts cassie and hannah and 10 my god wait i don't know why you why you struggled with that because i started like you started saying specifically pertaining no i started saying texas instead of 10 oh okay i don't know it's fine it's okay just pick up where you left off yeah 1031 (laughs) it's a police code for crime in progress um and as you guys can probably guess we discuss crimes and mainly murders that occur in texas and if you guys want to visit our website, which is texas1031podcast.com, you'll find all of our social media, or you'll find the links to our social media, uh, and where to listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Still haven't gotten that Podbean thing underway. Sorry. Uh, and then also remember the name of our website and social media accounts have no dashes, no spaces, no capitalizations, or numbers, just all spelled out. Mm-hmm. And remember, if you guys are on iTunes, please rate, review, and subscribe. So every episode, we're going to bring you two murder cases. Um, tonight, we have one in Dallas, and then the other is in Houston. We really hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and thank you so much for listening. For Yay. once, yeah, we just realized that my murder is not in Houston. But mine is. Yeah. And, and mine is not in Dallas. Yeah, but mine is. <laughs> if you can differentiate our voices, then you'll understand. Probably can't. And I'm going to just apologize right here now. I am super sniffly. I am going to be coughing and trying not to sniffle my nose into the microphone, but it'll happen because I don't think. I cough like a million times every episode. Okay, so we're yeah. just a mess always. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm sorry <laughs> because my dog is in the room and hopefully he won't. Hopefully he'll just be invisible. Hopefully. No, he's pissed. Mm-hmm. Um so <laughs> first call. Let's take a tally. Uh I guess happy new year. Oh yeah, Yay. happy new year. Yeah. Hope everyone was safe and Ubered or just stayed home. Yeah. Definitely stayed home. <laughs> yeah. I kinda I was I was close to, but yeah. no. She has a life. It's okay. Uh, every once in a while I she invited me hard. to have a life you so did. Fine. You did. um yeah so this is our 13th episode Yay! ironically my murder took place on october 13th which is my favorite day of the year i don't know why i think it's because it's halloween month and thir- oh did yours too <gasps> it's probably not January 13th. Oh, close enough. It's still a 13. It's still a 13. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. We didn't plan this. Nope. (laughs) Um, Anyway. Yeah, so 13th episode. Pretty exciting. Um, So to pick up where we left off, I guess last 
episode, I had given a brief little shout out to the lady on Instagram Mm -hmm. and she followed up with more responses. Finally, I don't want to say finally because that sounds rude, but she like, I don't know if she listened to the episode and was like, oh my gosh, I didn't respond. Or maybe she just whatever. doesn't matter. Um, So yeah, last episode we talked about our listener Michelle and her connection with Tim Green, the brother of Ricky Lee Green, like we stated, was uh, Cassie's... I guess, criminal or whatever mm-hmm. on episode five. Um, she had a connection with him. If you want to hear about it, go back and listen to last episode. Yeah. But she uh, sent us some cool pictures of her cousin and Tim and her grandmother, as well as the daughter that was conceived. Um, so, yeah, sorry I didn't respond. I'm a jerk, but <laughs> whatever. It, it's fine. I will respond. I just wanted to give another shout out. Yeah, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any recommendations or anything like that, social media wise, that you want to talk about? Um, no. Our social media page has been pretty quiet lately. I feel like I need to be doing more with the Facebook, but I'm. I didn't do anything. Yeah, it, it was the holidays. It's Is the that holidays. an excuse still? I don't know. I think so because I feel like I lost the in the last like three weeks of my yeah. life. It's just no. been so busy and packed and yeah. I mean, we've both been sick at some point. Oh, I saw the movie Flatliners. Is that good? No. Is that a remake, right? Oh, I don't know. Yeah? Uh, wasn't Kevin Bacon? Um, no. I don't know. Kevin I have, Bacon- I, Most like old movies yeah. that I should have seen, oh. I have never seen. Okay. So. I thought there was a Flatliners from like the 80s, 90s with Kevin Bacon and like Julia Roberts or something, but I could be way off. Interesting. And I probably am off, so hmm. I'll... It's okay. Yeah, it but was, the new one was kind of lame. It was lame. They could have done a lot more with it. It was a decent concept, but meh. But I did start Mine Hunters. Yay! I, I think I'm on the third episode, and I love it. Cool. It's I, amazing. I loaned my book to a guy at work, and Ooh. I don't think he'll read it, but it's fine. The only recommendation that I have is the one I think, or it's something I mes- mentioned to you, was the uh, Creepy Podcast. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, it is so good. I still haven't listened. It's awesome. I literally, when I take my dog to the park, I scare myself every time because it's out in like this woodsy park and I just listen to all it's basically all the creepy pastas that people post about and just like weird urban legend stuff it's pretty popular and I had subscribed to it a long time ago but just never got around to listening to it and the other day it was like you have 46 episodes to listen I was like who posts this many episodes or whatever you know and then I realized oh they're all like 10 minutes long that's why oh yeah my mom was like how do you tell a 10 minute story and I was like I don't know it just it's just a thing (laughs) but they're fun if you want to like have a good little I don't know silly scare go listen to it and they have like a lot of um they're on it's called like the I don't know gory bloody network or the bloody horror network or something like that I'm probably butchering it pun intended I guess (laughs) but uh they have a lot of good other uh spooky like horror or like whatever scary podcast i'm like way off my cool. game with speaking right now i'm like we both are <laughs> i don't we even know what's are. happening <laughs> uh, i feel like i'm in a like a weird uh god i can't even think of it i'm on a delay <laughs> that's the word i'm looking for fuck all right we'll get through this it's We're fine all right <laughs> so go watch mindhunter and creepy or listen to creepy yeah it's called it's just called creepy mm-hmm. cool yeah indeed um it's my turn this week right i think so i'm pretty sure yeah i did i can't remember who i did last time you did target lady 
that's right. April. I did. I shouldn't have said Target Lady. I'm going to cut oh, that out. I couldn't even remember, and I'm the one who wrote about her. <laughs> April Van Oh, yeah. I I donated to the... Um, I did not. I posted the GoFundMe, though. I saw that. And I I, I mean, I just it was just a few dollars because that's really hey, all I have. But it made me feel really good. And good. There were still... there were. I looked, and there were some recent ones oh, like good. not not from us not from us like definitely not directly like from our listeners or yeah whatever. okay well yeah. maybe they are i don't know but maybe maybe you're all, you know what i'm gonna look well you're uh starting your shade up i'm gonna okay cool <laughs> I'm gonna look. all right so like we said episode 13 i'm going first yay so this is the story of angela samoda um i don't really know how popular or well known her murder is but I do remember watching, it was several months ago, um, some TV show episodes on her case. And I remember thinking how interesting it was. So it's about time I got around to talking about it because it's been on my list for a while. Just kind of put it on the back burner just because I found some more fucked up shit to talk about. But um, yeah, the murder, the way it's depicted on TV is really nothing compared to what I've read. And I think that's why I might have put it on the back burner because I thought, okay, this is terrible and it happened in Texas, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't realize that it was so heavy. Um, And I'm not really sure why I feel like it's so heavy because I do feel like we've talked about worse things. But for some reason, like, I don't know, reading about it, it was just, it was awful. So um, I guess, let's see here. I have been able to, for like, I guess the last three episodes, um, I've been able to find the appeal submissions, like the actual documents, and they're like published online, like for people to go see. Oh, wow. Like there's no like, I'm stumbling upon like secret crap like it's <laughs> I don't know, even know where to begin to do that right there yeah it literally Google is search. yeah um so that's where I've been trying to get most of my information from this kind of stuff because it is like the not core reports but it's fully documented like real stuff it's not just a news article you know what I mean right so it's overly traumatized. accurate yeah. yeah um but yeah basically what my point is is that they censor the shit out of her death on tv so I can only imagine that the same goes for the majority of cases that premiere on TV shows, if you know what I mean. So anyway, we can begin. Uh, Did you find the thing? Oh, yeah. There was one $50 donation from an anonymous 19 hours ago. So Okay. But we don't know where from. We don't know where from. So, hey, if you're listening and you donated that, that's a really big amount of money and you're amazing. Okay. So, yeah. Like I said, we, we can begin. So... 20-year-old, let me turn up my brightness on my computer, Um, Angela Smoda, she was in college at SMU, which is Southern Methodist University for people who don't live in Texas or wherever. Um, It's in Dallas, and she was studying computer science and electrical electrical engineering. Uh, This was kind of during a time when women really didn't pursue that type of career. Um, She was beyond beautiful. I mean, we say that about a lot of our female victims, but like... I really, really think that this girl was gorgeous. I showed her picture to my mom and she was like, oh, my gosh, she's way hotter than like the girl who depicted her in the dramatization on the oh, show. Like, okay. cause, you know, you're, they're supposed to get people that look alike, whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she had long, dirty blonde hair. She had big blue eyes, gorgeous smile. Um, she was really smart, friendly. She was actually the social chairman of her <laughs> sorority. Uh, Zeta <laughs> Ta. Alpha, I'm not really sure how to say that. My mom was a member of that sorority, so she told me how to say it, but I, st- I even typed out like a 
phonetic version of it and that's, i don't know if that's even right that's like the the fancy like that's the sorority that most girls want to get into in I texas have, right i have no idea i'm pretty I don't know sure anything. i know a lot of girls that are very like oh, I they're very it, good at being girls and I they're, they're was, zetas oh yeah okay i remember working with girl uh, at and they would say that, yeah, they would go to like a Zeta party. So yeah. obviously there's more than one Zeta sorority. That's just yeah. shortened. You know what I mean? I but, think that's like, you know, there's like the chap. Well, I, I think the Zeta Tau Alpha, whatever. Because Alpha is like, Alpha. I'm sorry. I'm harping on this way more than I should. <laughs> it's okay. Just, just, I just thought it was really funny. She's gorgeous. Because, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's those girls. Yeah. Not to be mean. But no. whatever. Um, she, so yeah, she was also a Hockaday alumni. Uh, Hockaday is actually, I know this school, it's in Dallas. It's, uh, like a all girls prep school. And oh. I remember like there, it's a, I don't know if it's Catholic or not, but regardless, I remember hearing about it and it was all the like really, uh, rich and pretty girls would go there. I mean, obviously you don't have to look a certain way to be accepted to a school, but I'm just saying, um, I also read that she had lived in Amarillo prior to moving to Dallas. I'm not really sure if that's exactly where she's from. But to me, this kind of more or less meant that she was most definitely an intelligent girl to be accepted as a transfer student to that prep school, as well as being accepted to SMU. Um, It also kind of showed her upbringing and affluence to a certain extent. Both Mm -hmm. schools are private and expensive. Um, So most likely due to her family's wealth, Angela also lived in her own condo about five minutes from the school. Um, So kind of on to the night of her death, she had gone out with her school friend, Anita Kadala, and a new acquaintance, Russell Buchanan, uh, bar hopping back on October 12th, 1984. Uh, Angela's boyfriend, Ben McCall, declined the invitation to go out with the others that evening since he had to be at work on a construction site early the next morning. Um, I'm just going to put this in there now because the show, it's called Suspicion, and it basically breaks down like who you think is the suspect by giving you all these different suspects. And when I looked at you, like as soon as I like said people's names, names. yeah, exactly, yeah, (laughs) because it's like all these people could have maybe done it, but yeah, that was funny. Okay, Um, I'm on the right track. Yeah. So uh, Russell says that every place that they went, uh, it was super crowded and busy with young people since it was the infamous college football weekend uh, between Texas and OU held at the Cotton Bowl Stadium at the Texas State Fairgrounds in Dallas. So um, everywhere they went, he said that she knew everyone and they just had a blast. Uh, They went drinking, dancing, blah, blah, blah. Um, Angela proceeded to drop off her friends separately. Um, First, she dropped off Anita, or excuse me, first she dropped off Russell and then she dropped off Anita around 1 or 1.30. And then she made a quick stop at her boyfriend's house to say goodnight and then drove home. And she was killed less than two hours later. Wow. Yeah. So her boyfriend, Ben, would be the one to call the police on her behalf after a very concerning phone call he received shortly before her death. He stated he got a call from Angela soon after she arrived home. Uh, Ben claims he was kind of like half asleep trying to understand what the phone call was pertaining to. He was getting the vibe that she was uncomfortable and she asked him to keep talking to her. But then she said she would call him right back. Uh, He was concerned after hearing noises in the background, and she just seemed really nervous and just rambling. Uh, She said she had let a man into her condo to use the bathroom and telephone. 
He said he could hear Angela say, quote, oh, the bathroom is down the hall as they were on the phone together. She never called him back. So the show said it was almost as though she was trying to give him clues to what was happening without saying it outright. You know, like how you're have you ever seen like a movie like that where they're like they like dial their phone secretly in their pocket and they're like, I'm at 212 blah, blah, blah street. You know what I mean? Like just trying to give the operator tips. I guess he said that's kind of what it was like. Okay. Okay. So he. Okay. Trying to like not. She's not that smart if she likes children. Okay. Yeah. No, it explains what happens. But I'm back with you. He tried calling her back after the phone call ended, but got no answer. Um, Worried like uh, after such an odd conversation and got no call back. He drove to her condo. The door was locked and nobody responded when he knocked. He got back in his car, drove around the area looking for her, didn't see her. So he returned to her condo. Um, But uh, Ben was a construction supervisor. Like I said earlier, he was going to a construction site in the morning and he had kind of like an early generation mobile phone situation installed in his truck. So he was able to call 911 from that. And uh, officers soon broke through the door and discovered the gory scene in Angela's bedroom. So one of the officers claims upon entering her condo, he saw a single black pump on the floor and this, quote, quickened his pulse uh, because he didn't know anybody who just takes off one shoe and leaves it there. Mm Kind of interesting. Um, The two officers would later find her in her bedroom lying face up, covered in blood with her eyes open with a giant stuffed a bunny rabbit lying next to her on the bed the lower half of her body was hanging off the bed and they said quote it looked like it was the result of evil preying on innocence kind of sad uh during the rest of the condo search they found a smudge of blood on the light switch blood on the shower curtain as well as blood residue in the bathtub as if someone washed off blood or washed blood off of something Um, Even though all the doors appeared to be locked and deadbolted, as well as no sign of forced entry, there was a knife missing from her knife set, and um, the murder weapon was actually never found. So, uh, although it appeared that the telephone had also been wiped clean, along with all of the other weird sort of uh, DNA things that were happening, blood-wise. When asked about the wounds suffered by Angela, responding officer Janice Crowther stated, when we found her, it looked like her heart had been cut out and was just lying on top of her chest. Kind of gross. Because, like, in the show, it was just like, oh, she was stabbed. And I'm like, this is way heavier. Yeah. I feel like. You have to break through ribs to get to the heart, right? right? Oh, man. Yeah. I'm not nasty, but you know what I mean. Wow. Um, they were able to lift latent prints off the hall bathroom, um, a drinking glass on the coffee table, a dry cleaning bag next to her bed, and the lid of the toilet in the bathroom next to her room. All of them were identified as Angela's except the one on the toilet seat. No foreign hairs were found on the bed, her clothing, or her body. Um, after analysis of the blood, sp- blood spatter pattern... <laughs> hard to say it was attested that the attacker was right-handed was swinging the knife quickly and was probably on the bed facing the victim when repeatedly stabbing her Uh, it was also determined by bloody handprints on her thighs that she was being forcibly held down and the blood smears on her face suggested that a hand had been covering her mouth during the stabbing based on essentially i guess lack of blood spray or something Mm -hmm. um a small cut was found on the web of her thumb which appeared to be defensive and officially she had been stabbed 18 times 
Two of the 18 wounds penetrated her sternum. All 18 penetrated her left lung and her heart, one of which entered and exited her heart entirely. Yeah, lots of stamps. <laughs> uh, no external injuries were found to her mouth, genitalia, or anus. However, they did find, quote, gooey globs in her mouth and vagina. So, as you probably guessed, a rape kit would conclude the globs were semen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this is why I can't wait to, like, study forensic stuff in a yeah. few weeks. Because this determination of, like, science and stuff is, like, really cool. So, uh, I thought this was going to be, like, kind of basic. But it's actually pretty interesting. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so, you would think, like, yeah, sure, he raped her vaginally and orally and then stabbed her. Um, but with an autopsy and like deeper forensics, the medical examiner would state that these globs would not be found in a healthy or alive female because semen will break down from its own enzymes and natural reaction in the vagina. So this takes place in under an hour after sex. This discovery, although it might not sound major to anyone initially, it'll be used in appeal arguments. So we'll get into it a little bit more. So... (coughs) Yes. So does that mean like it was done post-mortem? We don't know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what's interesting. But it's basically like just somebody just finishing himself, not actually raping or penetrating. No. Okay. Yeah. No. So they say that, so in turn with the semen not being drained from her vagina. So like, because it didn't break down Mm -hmm. initially, like as long as it takes during that time that it should. Mm -hmm. And for her... It basically is saying that the gooey globs that were formed in her concluded that she didn't move after intercourse. Okay. And she was dead because the biological process of it being broken down technically didn't happen. Wow. So either she, it was obviously non or non non consensual. Mm-hmm. Um, is that how you say it? Non consensual. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking nonsensical. <laughs> um, but. Either and then it was also determined that she had intercourse at or near the time of death because of the lack of natural body secretions, which would allow lubrication, as well as the fact that the semen had not started to break down. So either she was a victim of rape and murder or the victim of murder than necrophilia. Okay. Wow. So, that yeah. is crazy cool that I know. how they it's can determine. Kind of weird, that. right? Yeah. Um, the evidentiary findings portrayed in a certain article that I read, uh, quote, DNA testing was done on the bedsheets, kitchen, bathroom, and Angela's clothing. Nothing came from any of the tests. No blood or seminal stains were found on Angela's pantyhose, underwear, or bra, but a semen stain was found in the crotch area of her jumpsuit that night, uh, the one that she was wearing that night. So no other DNA was found besides that fingerprint on the toilet seat, which isn't really DNA technically, but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then just the stuff found in her, essentially. Wow. Kind of weird. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Sorry. Um, So, okay, on to the investigation. Police investigate every ex-boyfriend, maintenance worker, landscaping crew member, etc., Uh, The male friend that she had gone out with that night, Russell Buchanan, he was a main suspect for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Uh, His alibi was that he, you know, was dropped off that night and he went to a wedding in Houston the next day. Uh, He claims he didn't hear about the murder until he came back to Dallas the following week. Um, He was able to avoid being arrested or charged with Angela's murder since his alibi did check out. But 
in all honesty, I'm kind of surprised that he wasn't framed for her death due to how long the police lingered on him as the prime suspect. And uh, I'll get into it later, but there was some circumstantial evidence that was actually like kind of decent. So, I mean, I feel like we've heard about people getting charged for for less. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Yeah. So over 20 years later, one of Angela's best friends and freshman year roommate in college, Sheila Wysocki, forensic files, Hmm. (laughs) who had been contacted back in 1984 and even tasked with trying to basically entrap Russell Buchanan without success. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not cool. Had oh. grown tired of her friend's rape and murder going unsolved. Uh, she, it's weird because on the show, I know I keep referencing the show, but it's from her <coughs> her perspective basically of like my friend got killed and I'm trying to figure out who did it and blah, blah, blah. Okay. And that's why they bring up the stuff with her. Try- they basically pull her aside and are like, help us catch him. But wow. uh, I think I mentioned it later. I don't know. <laughs> We'll see. Um, (laughs) So she had since left Texas and was living out her life. She was a mother uh, up in Nashville. And she says that one day she had a vision of Angela standing at the edge of her own bed. And it was then she realized it was time for her for her or the police to uh, really just finally track down Angela's killer. And for four years and nearly 750 phone calls later, she decided to get her own PI license and work on the case herself. Oh my god! During that time, yeah, super cool, badass. right? I know. Um, she had contacted Dallas PD enough times for them to finally locate their quote lost evidence in the case hmm. and have it retested. Even after she was told, quote, some cases just aren't meant to be solved. Like, who says that to someone? Lazy. That's so annoying. Lazy cops. Right. Uh, With every phone call she would place, she was given an excuse on what happened to the evidence. Um, And, like, this is really where my frustration comes into play with this case because, like, what red tape? Like, if the evidence, because they find it, it's there. They get it retested. They get the killer. But, like, why is it so difficult? Like, what was happening to make it so difficult? Was it just laziness? Or, like, was there something happening? You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good question because... It's a rich white girl in Dallas. Yeah. You think that they would make it priority. And if it's gone cold, does that mean right. they just get to forget about I know. it? Is that just how it works? But then, I mean, okay, I know they didn't have, like, 84, that was the brink of DNA testing. Yeah. Like, I think 84, 86, right? We've yeah. talked about this. So, sure, maybe wait 10 years, but, like, why was it 750 phone calls? That's way too to, many. and to lie being way lied to many. that's kind of dumb but anyway yeah that sounds mm, maybe there was maybe a sheriff was up for re-election or something like that <laughs> and it, they, they just wanted to sweep everything they could under the rug yeah i don't know man um but finally after her years of persistence like i stated before um Cold case detective Linda Crum finally had the semen, fingernail clippings, and blood all retested in 2006. Uh, And then Sheila would get a call from Linda in 2008, and she said the DNA pointed to the most unlikely suspect, Donald Bess. B-E-S-S. Hmm. So, this guy. This guy. Tell us about Donald. Mm. Uh, at that point, he was about 60 years old. He was 350 pounds, white male from Arkansas. Twice convicted rapist, serving a life sentence at a state prison in Huntsville for a completely different sexual assault on which he had been on parole about seven months for when he uh, killed Angela. Or when Angela was killed, I guess, if you want to say it that way. 
It's... Why do you parole? I know, oh my God, I talk about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so when Detective Linda Crumb questioned Donald, she automatically thought of him as arrogant and relaxed. But as soon as Angela was brought up, his demeanor abruptly changed. Police theorized that Bess, while out on parole, became fixated on Angela after spotting her at a bar. He is quoted saying, um, after he was paroled in March of 1984, he went to Dallas to visit friends over several months. He claimed he went to Dallas three or four times since he was primarily living and working in Houston and admits to picking up women and having sex with them, but was never violent. First of all, even if that is true, can you imagine like seeing that guy on the news and being one of those supposed women that had slept with him? Yeah. And like he didn't rape, like thinking how lucky you are. Seriously. Um, so according to reports from Angela's friends, her striking good looks often earned her attention and sometimes even love notes from strangers and classmates. So it wasn't too far fetched, too far fetched for people to like be obsessed with her, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Police believe Donald followed her home that night, knocked on the door, asking to use her bathroom and telephone. Um, perhaps this kind of explains the fingerprint on the toilet seat that hadn't been identified and the phone being wiped down because maybe he did use the phone and use the bathroom. Yeah. The way that the show depicts it again was that she thought that because she had gone to visit her boyfriend right before she went home, begged him to come over, blah, 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 because he hadn't gone out with her that night. And he was like, no, I got to get up early. And so when she heard the knock at the door, she thought it was him, like, surprising her. And so she just opened it, and he, like, barged in, essentially. So you think, what a dumb bitch. Why would she open the door? But, like, at that point, she was just like, what the fuck? And that's why she called him. And he's 300 pounds. Right. no way she could have. He's disgusting. Like, he literally looks like, picture a rapist, a six-year-old rapist in your mind, and there you have it. I'm picturing the guy from uh, Human Centipede 2. Oh, that's pretty much. Yeah? Okay. Big fat guy? Yeah. Wait, is that the second one or the third one? It's the second one. The third one is when they're in the prison. The third one's stupid. They're all oh, stupid. Oh, yeah. So it's the second one. The, <laughs> yeah, the like, the rent-a-cop guy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, exactly yeah. With him. With the yeah. sandpaper. I love those movies. Oh, my God. They're the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, they thought he probably threatened Angela while she was on the phone with Ben, hence why she suddenly hung up the phone. Uh, he raped her, began stabbing her with a kitchen knife to silence her when her boyfriend knocked on the door. Um, and then Donald may have finished the crime while Ben left to search the neighborhood and called the police. Oh, because I wondered. I was like, how did he left? They potentially just, like, missed each other uh, as Donald was leaving and Ben was, like, re-arriving, essentially. Um, So, interestingly enough, the semen test came back stating that the semen um, belonged to a man who was a non-secretor. Um, I think we I mentioned this, uh, I don't remember what episode, but meaning mm-hmm. that he didn't have blood in his secretion, such as saliva or semen, mm-hmm. where you can kind of tell their blood type. Unfortunately, this is the circumstantial evidence I was mentioning. Russell Buchanan was a non-secretor as well, which I think was the reason why they hung on to him. So yeah. hung on, hanged on? Hung, hung. You were right. Right? Yeah. Hanged hung on. on to him. But we don't, never mind. I don't think it's hung. Hanged is like when you but hang somebody. I think it's the same thing. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> Kane, which we one don't is care. It? Uh, whatever. No That's why they <laughs> kept him as a suspect in the investigation for so long. Uh, ben McCall, her boyfriend, was not not a non-secretor. If that double negative, whatever. So he was cleared. Um, yeah. So eighty-five percent of people are secretors, like Ben. So being a non-secretor puts you in the minority, which makes narrowing down this kind of issue uh, pretty easy, I guess, or helpful. Um, so, however, the issue of the semen on the jumpsuit arose when it didn't match Donald Bess, but rather Ben McCall. 
However, the medical examiner said that the semen deposit could not have a timestamp attached to it and in turn couldn't determine if it was old or new. And seeing as how Ben and she did have a sexual relationship, finding his semen there wouldn't be odd. But finding a stranger semen in her mouth and vaginal cavity most definitely would be odd. Yeah. So. Yeah. That should have been like, oh, yeah. her boyfriend? Okay, cool. Especially since. This wasn't her boyfriend? Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Which is like, I don't want to make fun of her, but like, girl, wash a jumpsuit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, semen doesn't come off of things, right? Not that yeah. well. I, I, I think it can still be found through like the light thing. You I know? think that's like an urban legend with oh, like hotels. It? I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. I'm never trying it. Whatever. I'm never trying it. <laughs> that sounds really bad. I mean, in like a hotel room. Yeah, no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> Donald Bess was soon after charged with the rape and murder of Angela Simota. And two years later, in 2010, the state proceeded with his trial. Angela's family members, friends, and sorority sisters were all there to witness. Sheila Isaki drove all the way from Nashville with her son to attend the trial as well. Uh, the only information I could find about Donald's trial was mainly about the closing arguments. So Dallas County prosecutor Josh Healy, uh, said like, oh my God, I got so heated when I like read all this stuff. I was like so upset. Um, not about the prosecutor, but about his defense attorneys. Uh, (laughs) Um, anyway, so he said Donald Best must die to pay for ruining so many lives. Two women testified that he had raped them as well. Those attacks were in addition to the one for he was for which he was currently serving uh, serving life when he was charged with Angela's murder. His former wife also testified that he physically and psychologically abused her. So if there's any confusion, he had gotten out on parole for a completely different rape and kidnapping, sexual assault, all that stuff, and then got charged with another one before because i mean it was 20 plus years in between him getting caught and killing angela so he Mm -hmm. had gotten put in prison for another rape and was getting charged with angela's rape and murder during that time so he has a past essentially is what i'm trying to say um quote if donald bess isn't deserving of a death sentence then who is the prosecutor said um who's done this much harm who's tormented this many people uh, it is said that the prosecutor, as the prosecutor spoke, several jurors nodded, seemingly in agreement, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Defense attorney John Tatum urged the jury to be merciful. Womp, womp. Quote, what is mercy? It's about you and you and all of you, he said. It's not about the person you give mercy to. But like, but like isn't it, is. it like the whole point? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the whole point is who you show mercy on I uh-huh. guess. Like, like who's worthy of mercy right, which inadvertently makes it about the person not you yeah whatever oh my god his other defense attorney richard franklin my favorite said he wouldn't ask for mercy he would ask the jurors to uh follow the law if they do so he said they'll find that there are mitigating circumstances to warrant a life sentence for donald best instead of death that in itself to me, is confusing for the jury, in my opinion. Wouldn't you want to have two attorneys stating the same shit? Yeah. Like, maybe they wanted to cover all angles that the jury could probably be swayed or something, but I think it adds a lot of confusion for people. I, and I think that was their angle. They wanted to confuse maybe. them. I don't know, but I feel like most jury members need to have their hand held through the whole trial, oh, so I yeah. think adding more information to sift through wouldn't be smart, but... Then again, they are defense attorneys, so mm-hmm. I, I think the prosecution had like a impassioned, 
you know, speech, and they were like, this yeah. is going to kind of suck, so <laughs> let's just try, like, mitigation. Richard Franklin also cited Donald's poor health, his age, his difficult upbringing with an alcoholic slash controlling mother, and his relatively clean prison disciplinary record oh, good for you. as reasons for a lesser sentence. He acknowledged that his client had, quote, done weird, weird stuff and bad stuff. Like, okay, let's be super intelligent. I don't know. Weird and bad. <clears throat> right. Oh, my God. But, uh, Which part was the murder? Was it the weird or the bad? <laughs> but said Donald could live out his days in prison without posing a threat. I literally put in parentheses, my blood is boiling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quote, once a jackass, always a jackass. Once a really bad person, always a really bad person, Franklin said. But the question the jury must decide, he said, is, quote, always a murderer or not, always a threat or not. Franklin said he would understand if a jury in 1984 had sentenced Best to death. But this jury, he argued, has seen that Oh my god, I can't even get through the sentence. Has seen that Bess can behave himself behind bars and thank you. And <laughs> she just dropped her pen. And that should make a difference. In parentheses, my blood is spilling over the sides of the pot because it's boiling so much. Her heart was removed from her chest. Right. Do you want to hear my like rant paragraph Please. real quick in all bold? <laughs> Newsflash, Mr. Fucking Franklin. Sorry to burst your bubble, but Donald Best is and always has been a fucking threat. And you're a lying and conniving piece of shit for trying to get him off the hook for a potential death sentence. Not that he's listening, but to me, it is just as bad for like to stoop to that level yeah. as it is for Donald to do what he did and like to go off of, oh, he had this pristine prison behavior and a sucky childhood. Like you're trying to like give a, a reason or an excuse for his behavior like i mean this is a horrible horrible premeditated yet opportunistic which is like the worst combo of all mm -hmm. like no yep i put in bold go fuck yourself in your oh so ironic smu law degree <laughs> of course no it's just like i looked up their web his website he's still practicing law Shit. he's partners with just a single female who what did, uh da, 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 i wrote she tried the first internet sex crime in dallas county so she should be cool right yeah and then be. right yeah, I don't know. and then it says on their website they never refuse a case because because of its horrendous nature no you certainly See, don't and that's because i'm thinking like if you I know have you, to be a defense attorney you yeah. have to do your job mm -hmm. but in a case like this like I, is I, that doing your job no i, I to make your excuses justice like I know that your job is to get get a lesser sentence for your client, but do it in a better way, man. Don't be so disrespectful. I don't know. You know what I mean? I mean especially he's already in jail for a life sentence, so it's like nothing nothing else is going to right. nothing's yeah. going to change on a so, separate crime. Yeah, yeah. Like he obviously like now then it's just being found that he <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, committed this heinous act. So it's like it's not sorry, a one and buddy, done. I'm just gonna. It's not like not he really could maybe, that hard for you. it's not like it was just a one-time thing and maybe he could potentially sway a jury like, right. this guy has a past. Yeah. Like, it's very obvious. And there's nothing that the, like, because I can see a defense attorney wanting to do a good job, mm -hmm. like, In I got this yeah. guy off mm -hmm. so I can get you off and I can charge more money from that. But this guy's already in jail for life, so it right. literally doesn't matter. No. Like, he's not getting him off of anything except the chair. Yeah, or whatever it was in 84. Oh, yeah, I wonder. I don't know when mm. they changed that. But anyway, we can keep going. Yes, um, yes. His defense attorneys did agree during the trial that semen found in Angela's body 
provided a DNA match to Donald, but they said that evidence didn't prove that their client murdered her. Uh, jurors heard f- that's when the time of death issue comes into play rape first then murder or murder then rape that's what his appeals are all about it's bullshit how does it matter i mean it could it's those technicalities that matter it's either rape and then murder or murder and then necrophilia like and that's i I, they're both they're all crimes they're all crimes no matter the the order (laughs) uh jurors heard from a woman who uh donald pleaded guilty to raping in 1977 seven years before angela's death elizabeth bitsy keg said that after donald abducted her off of a houston street he told her quote you're a victim of my aggression He then raped her at knife point. She was the second woman to testify about being raped by him. Donald's ex-wife, who asked that she not be identified, said he abused her during their marriage. They wed in 69, divorced three years later. Uh, The ex-wife, who uh, who has been remarried for more than 35 years, said Donald was always, quote, telling me that nobody would want me, that I wasn't pretty. It just went on and on until I believed it. She said that while she was pregnant with her daughter, he shoved her against a wall. The next day, she had black eyes from hitting the wall. When their daughter was five months old, she testified Donald got angry and kicked the baby's crib while the baby was asleep in it. And Mm. the crib on wheels went rolling across the room. Oh, my God. That was the end of it for me. His ex-wife testified. I could not take a lot for myself. I could take a lot for myself, but not for my children. Um... After leaving Donald and moving in with her parents, she discovered that she was pregnant again. The second child was a boy. She said he once sent her a check for child support. It was for $25. (laughs) Uh, He eventually gave up his parental rights and the children were adopted by her new husband. I I wanted to put that in there because I just wanted to show how extra piece of shit this guy is. Yeah. Not that that whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it any worse or better, but just fuck off just like all through and right. through like even like a, a child can't yeah. soften his heart no. yeah uh luckily the jury wasn't as dumb as the defense wanted them to be uh and serial rapist donald best was finally convicted and sentenced to fucking death in 2010 uh in the end it took the jury less than one hour to make their final decision good job guys right the consensus among jurors was that it was the prosecution's entire case not just one point that enabled them to reach their difficult decision, which I think is good. Yeah. Um, according to one juror, quote, it was the most difficult decision I've ever had to make in my life, but the writing was on the wall. I guess to me, sentencing someone to death versus to li- like life in prison would be a pretty big decision, especially if you're unsure. But like like they said, it, the writing was on the wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I guess it wasn't as difficult. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but have no fear. He still has many more chances of appeals in the years to come, and he has not yet been given an execution date. Of course um, not. I didn't <laughs> still wait still to this day. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it was only twenty ten. Uh, I didn't even give a shit to gather any information on Donald to corroborate anything his lawyers said about you know his shitty childhood. Yeah, um, fuck him. Who cares? Because yeah, surprisingly, <laughs> I didn't care. Yeah. Uh, Angela, however, was born on September nineteenth, nineteen sixty four, and died October thirteenth, nineteen eighty four. Her gravestone has a poem she actually wrote engraved on the front of it, and um. I know this kind of seems, I wanted to add this in there because I know it seems like silly or like inconsiderate maybe to say, but like to try and lighten the mood a bit. Uh, it was like, like she was like Elle Woods. <laughs> like that's what I thought of. Aww. Like beautiful and smart and kind and like sorority girl. And it's like, then Elle Woods was murdered. Yeah. Like, Lily Blonde 3. I mean, that's kind of what, I'm, what I've been thinking right? about. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like. Especially because Elle had 
big, big blonde, blonde hair, hair. Like, and it's like uh-huh. wavy like that in the picture she's beautiful anyway oh, um honey i know so questions and theories this one will be brief like i said to cassie before we started recording i have very little to say but um normally i feel like at this point i would say i kind of care ish about the psychology and stuff behind the killer but i don't care to know the psychology behind this man or really hold a conversation regarding any sort of reason or like mental illness to slightly excuse him of his actions yeah i feel like the only thing that this guy did was contribute to rape culture and Mm -hmm. murder statistics um good behavior release and parole need to really be thoroughly debated and if an inmate is in prison for any of the there's like five top like violent crimes then to me i don't think it should even be an option nope i am like 100% 100% certain because I looked it up that like the majority of those top five crimes specifically assault always escalate with with each attempt and success or success so I'm all for inmate rehabilitation okay yes. if, if it's warranted but when you choose to commit the same crime over and over with each with growing intensity then you don't deserve anything but a prison cell for the rest of your life and the parole board who let you out in the first place and your defense lawyers should join you in that cell. <laughs> That's what I feel. Yeah, because I like I grapple with we've talked about it before. Mm-hmm. I grapple with my thoughts on the death penalty. Mm-hmm. I think people who rape and murder, they shouldn't be able they, they don't deserve. I wrote down that um, they can find happiness in jail. They mm-hmm. can. They can enjoy their days. They can find a new normal and right, they yeah. shouldn't enjoy. They shouldn't have the opportunity to find any sort of joy no. or to read a book ever again or to, you know, no. the, the things that they robbed their victims of. Mm-hmm. And then as I was writing something else, I was writing like um, the two women that testified against him that mm. they, he had raped. I was writing like, oh, I bet those women are sick about not being taken seriously. And then I had the biggest realization, rape just isn't taken seriously. No. He was yeah. out on parole because... All he did was wait, rape a woman. Because it's called assault still. Yeah. It's it's not taken like it's, seriously. No. It's not looked at. I mean, look at fucking Brock Turner. Like, it's Ugh. not looked at as something no. that could escalate. It, because women are not altogether seen as something that matters. We're, we're kind of property still. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, oh, it's your body. You were mm-hmm. raped. Sorry. Like, you're I mean, there's for it. lawmakers in our government right now that believe that rape is a blessing from God sometimes. Like, uh, yeah, like especially if it results in a child or oh, okay. in your body, I you see. can. Um, one guy, I forget his name because who cares about him, but he said that um, <laughs> a woman's body has certain defenses where they can just shut it off and just lie there sure. and enjoy it. And what? enjoy it. Oh, no. Uh-huh. I was going to say, sure, yeah, our body will not produce the lubrication, just like the medical examiner said, mm-hmm. and will tighten up because it's your natural instinct. Yeah. If you don't like something, you're trying to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. You don't want it somewhere, it's not going in. Yeah. But guys are pieces of shit yeah. and don't care. Yeah. And it's enjoy not- it. Lie back and enjoy it. Yeah. I'll fucking make you lie back and enjoy oh, it. I know. Like, like, oh, my God. No, it, it's <sighs> just, it, it, it kills me so much because rape culture, no. rape culture starts with these little tiny things it starts with like all the we've talked about this before mm-hmm. too all the celebrities and news anchors now that are being accused of mm-hmm. sexual harassment everyone's like oh well you know this joke this blah 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 blah. it's not that big of a deal and it's like these tiny escalations these tiny mm-hmm. like um what's it called allowances that mm-hmm. they give themselves Excuses, yeah. they escalate and yeah. it might take years it might but whatever like 
I just, how do you let someone out on parole for two previous two. rapes? Two. Like, obviously, they're going to do Kidnapping it Kidnapping and yeah. rapes at that. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. At knife point. Mm-hmm. Like. That's a violent. Who, that's who, who was that? No. Violent offender. It just. Yeah. It, it kills me. Because I feel like. I mean, people don't believe victims most of my parents and I love them so much and they're great, tolerant people. And I, I'm sure they would have come around if I had talked to them about it more. But mm-hmm. my mom asked at dinner the other night, she was like, which one of my kids knows a current event? And I just kind of sat there. I was like, I know she doesn't mean me because I know, you know everything. I know everything <laughs> yeah. and no one knew anything. And I was like, oh. How about this, guys? True or false? Did Alabama almost select a pedophile to the special Senate election seat? Blah, 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 blah. And both my parents go, well, there's no proof. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, the rumor, like, I mean, I don't want to say I get it because at the end of the day, those types of things can ruin a person's life because of speculation. But like... Come on. Like you. The proof is on the internet Mm -hmm. of their like Mm -hmm. their sex offender registry. Mm -hmm. That's the like. And and like I just don't understand the world we live in now where victims are not believed. Right. Because we we see that happen. We see the wrongful accusations. Mm -hmm. We see it. But we don't see it nearly or even close to as much as as we see. As we see. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the sad thing about it. And people are always going to want to take the poor man victim mm. of this and men can get raped too like oh it's, that's the thing that never gets talked about exactly. more so yeah. so it's it's just yeah I, I mean it's sad that this man was let out on parole and this woman died because they yeah. decided to let him out on parole well and the last thing i'll say about this is that uh obviously everyone can tell my biggest issue is always with the lawyers mm-hmm. um but his appeal will claim that like I said before, he is guilty of her rape, but not her death because of the semen deposits uh, in her body when it was left, blah, blah, blah. Like to me, it just it just doesn't work that way. Um, you don't just stumble upon a raped girl and get lucky enough to be her murderer or however no. they're going to spin this. Like it doesn't it doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I hope his appeal gets struck down. And if it doesn't, if he miraculously gets a new trial based on some you know appellate evidence then i really hope that the jury can see past the defense's efforts um i kind of i really just want to laugh because in my mind appealing is so asinine yeah but i guess it's your right as a convicted murderer and rapist (laughs) and it's god it's so hard because you have to have that right present because there are people that are yeah they go away for the wrong reasons Mm -hmm, you know and so it's such a tough thing when mm. you have a sadistic asshole like this that gets to take advantage of those right. allowances in our system Absolutely. and, I mean, and he, could he, potentially he, get off because there is a big potential discrepancy mm-hmm. on you know you pay a doctor enough money they're gonna say well actually this is how the enzymes are dissolved you know what i mean like, yeah and because you know sure he's gonna if he gets off and doesn't end up with the death penalty he'll spend the rest of his life right. in prison but manson lived to be like what what it was like 86 or 87 yeah, so like that. you can live a long mm. life in prison you can watch tv in prison you can have a blog from prison like it's you can still have a life from prison he yeah. doesn't deserve to have a life angela lost her life at 20 like right go fuck off yeah like if you sit on the potential appellate board or the hopefully not even going this far but potential jury on Donald Bess's case, or I guess I should say Angela Samoda's case, 
then please do not be a fucking idiot. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Yep. Just don't touch anyone. Okay. Yeah. Just keep it in your pants, yeah. man or woman. Just keep it. Just keep it there. Put, sit on your hands. <laughs> always sit on your hands. <laughs> All right, so mine tonight, um, like we said, took place in Houston, um, and this story definitely more focuses on the murderer, but as always, we will talk about the murderee first. Murderee. Murderee, the victim, <laughs> that's the correct word. Um, this is Jeffrey Wright's story. Okay. Um, but this kind of plays out a little soap opera-ish, so... <sighs> We'll get to it. There's there's a lot. I'm not sure how I feel about the victim. I'm not sure how oh. I feel about the murderer yet. So Okay. Um Yeah, I kinda ignore. Okay, you will be able to tell how I think I feel about the victim because I'm gonna start with his wife. Susan Wright was born on April twenty fourth, nineteen seventy six in Houston. Um at age eighteen, she briefly worked as a dancer at Gold Cup. Um, gentlemen's club for a couple of months and that's the one super close to amc 24 i believe i don't know what and that like means. willowbrook mall i didn't know there was a strip club over there oh yeah where um it's so when you're sitting in the amc parking lot um oh, oh on man. the other side of 249 okay mm-hmm. don't it's know the one the, with the the white string lights around okay. the top i'll check it out i only know it because my cousin when i was like 10 she took me and my sister out to get like fast food or something mm-hmm. and we were gonna go see a movie so we sat in the car and that building was in front of us <laughs> well no because there was a there was a fence thank god because oh. i was like oh is that like a chuck e cheese can we go in there she was like um yeah, no that's where boys. that's where gross men go to watch women dance and that's wow. where she was. oh yeah forward yeah she, nice. she was pretty cool she's pretty cool <laughs> um so she did that only for a couple months at age 18 um um, but this is important later in her trial. Um, and then she later waitressed in Galveston. And um, in 1997, at the age of 21, she met her to-be husband, Jeffrey Wright. Um, they met on a blind date. And their relationship from the get-go was very sweet and loving. He doted on her, surprised her with presents and gifts, and was always very loving and um, very sweet and kind to her. Um, they got married well, she was eight months pregnant in 1998, so basically they, they started off with a bang. And oh. <laughs> Man, I ruined her joke by opening a bag of cornbread. No, it's okay. That was good, though. I liked it. You. Did you come up with that yourself? I just did. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they got married in 1998. She was eight months pregnant, um, and then she had her first child, their first child together, um, Bradley. Their second was born a few years later, a daughter named Kaylee. Um, By many accounts, Jeff and Susan had a great, normal, happy marriage. Um, Jeff was characterized as a charming and lively man who sometimes sometimes used recreational drugs um, and visited topless clubs. Okay. So it's like, yeah, he's a great, wonderful guy, but he has his vices. It's basically... I feel like everyone in the 90s was named Jeff and Susan. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I have an Uncle Jeff. Brennan has an Uncle Jeff. Like... (laughs) I actually don't know anyone named after Susan, but... Really? Still, it's like the white people name. It is. It is the very typical... (laughs) Very typical. Oh, no. I... I was like, I bet he had a mustache, but I've seen pictures of him. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> um, Susan stayed home to care for their two children um, while Jeff worked as a salesman for carpet, carpets and stuff like that. He was a very successful salesman okay. um, by this point. Um, carpets were and, big in the late 90s. Yeah, I guess so. 
And they lived in Houston. Um, they actually lived in the Cypress Fairbanks mm, area of Houston, okay. which that's where I grew up. Um, so on Monday, January 13th, 2003, Susan inflicts 193 stab wounds onto her husband in their bedroom and then buries him in their Houston area, I guess Cypress area backyard. Nice. The circumstances and details are kind of murky. Why would you bury your husband in the backyard? Like, There was already a little bit... There was already a cemetery? Dug up a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll mention okay, it. Okay, we'll I was like, who it. just, that's the worst idea, but okay. <laughs> so according to Susan, um, after the birth of their first child, Bradley, um, Jeff became very controlling. Um, he always needed to know her whereabouts. Um, she couldn't leave the house much at all, and when she could, it wasn't for very long at all. Um, if she was even just a tiny bit late, like she had spent a couple more minutes at her parents' house mm-hmm. or at the store, um, he accused her of cheating. Um, and he, he was very jealous. Um, she also had to keep a perfect home, no messes, no toys on the floor, um, no children acting up. Dinner could not be late by even a second um, or she would suffer his fits of rage. I wrote, no obey equals fits of rage. (laughs) Shorthand. Um, She suffered, she says she suffered emotional and physical abuse pretty much from the get-go with him after he, you know, they tied the knot and had the baby. Um, He often forced her to have sex with him against her will, um, and he developed a pretty bad cocaine problem. Mm. Um, Actually, traces of this were found in his body so much that it hadn't even had a chance to metabolize yet. So that Shit. part is accurate um, from what we can tell. Carpets are um, stre- stressful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, she also claimed that he had mistresses who would often call the house. And she claimed that he gave her herpes. Um, only when he hit the kids, though, did she finally step up and fight back. On the night of January 13, 2003, she said Jeffrey came home from a boxing lesson angry and coked out. Um, And when their son Bradley came to Susan crying, saying his dad had hit him, Susan put the two kids to bed and approached her husband. She gave him an ultimatum about getting help for anger and drugs or she would leave him. She says this threw him into a fit of rage and he then pushed her to the floor, kicked her repeatedly in the stomach, dragged her to the bed and raped her. After the rape ended, she opened her eyes. Um, I guess she, had, she had her eyes closed during the sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, she opened her eyes when she heard him say, die, bitch. And he was hovered over her with a knife. Um, she says she mustered up what, she, what must have been a maternal instinct, um, you know, and just a, a will to fight, a will to live. She overtook him and got the knife and stabbed him for fear of her life. And she kept stabbing him because she was afraid that he would wake up, you know. Yeah, and you're just so upset. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know what's happening. Yeah. yeah. Dang. She was 5 feet 5 inches and 120 pounds. He was 6 feet 3 inches oh. and 220 pounds. So we'll Girly. go into that a little bit. Um, her testimony says verbatim, I stabbed him in the head and I stabbed him in the neck and I stabbed him in the stomach and I stabbed him in the leg for all the times he kicked me and I stabbed him in his penis for all the times he made me have sex when I didn't want to. That's very specific. It is. It's a little less than uh, just on a whim. You know what yeah. I mean? You remember, you 
you close your eyes, but then you remember everything. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's a little... he, he or you was... close them. You know what I mean? No, yeah. Close your eyes during the rape, but you happen to remember all that? He know. was uh, stabbed, remember, 193 times <sighs> from his head down to his ankles. She then spent, she says, she spent the next few days in a fog. Um, she buried his body where he had already been digging in the backyard mm-hmm. to install a fountain. Okay. Um, it wasn't very deep, just about a little over a foot and a half, maybe mm-hmm. two feet. Um, and she covered it with topsoil. Um, she then cleaned the bedroom with bleach and paint, um, fearing that he would be angry for the mess in the bedroom. She took but apart he's dead. Mm-hmm. Oh no, so, that's so sad. Yeah. She took apart the bed uh, in the bed frame and left that in the mattress in the backyard and cut up pieces of the bloodstained carpet. Um, she said during all these fits of cleaning, she was still very scared of him and his anger towards her if he came home to a mess or a bloody bed or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so five days later, on January 18th, 2003, she tells her mother what she had done. Um, the family goes to the prestigious Houston law firm, uh, DeCurin, Dixon, and Hennessy. Um, Cashy. Doctor, yeah, right. Uh, lawyer Neil Davis had Susan committed um, to a mental facility, and then he went to the DA's office to report the body. Um, when police went to the home, their dog had partially unearthed Jeffrey's body <laughs> and chewed off his left hand. So it's real. Your animals will eat you. Your animals will eat you. Oh, no. I got in trouble for Can't saying that me. during dinner with my parents the other night. Oh, what didn't you get in trouble for? I know. <laughs> Like, existing. <laughs> um, they found that he had neckties tied around his wrist and a bathrobe oh. sash tied around one ankle. Um, candle wax was found on his buttocks, inner thigh, and genital area from candles identified from the bedroom. Girl. And a small hunting knife was found in a flower pot. The tip had been embedded in Jeff's skull. Ooh. So remember, I wrote it again, 193 stab wounds. She's um, guilty. Charges, brought, charges were brought up against her, and she simultaneously turned herself in from the mental institution. Okay. Um, so the prosecutor for this case, the main prosecutor was Kelly Seigler. Um, she agreed that the marriage was, quote, unhealthy and that he may have dabbled in drugs, but he also, she also called her... Um, dishonest and calculated and a calculated murderer seeking the $200,000 life insurance policy he had out on him. Um, she cited her past career as a topless dancer um, to hurt her character and, you know, all of that. I, I hate that crap. I do too. Like, that's so unnecessary. Yeah. And Sometimes I, it is, but fuck. Everything I There's read about two it. sides. Yeah. And she, was a, she was a dancer for two months when she was 18. Yeah. You don't have any idea what and you're doing. Basically what she did is saved up enough money to enroll in nursing school. And she only lasted in nursing school for a few, for like six months or so. Hey. And then. You're smart yeah, enough to get accepted. Right. So, you know, it's. That, I don't. It's, that, it's, that's it's character dancing. assassination. Like. It nah, is. Nah, nah, nah. If you don't have okay. a better defense than that, then goodbye. Right. Um. She said that it would have been impossible for the tiny Susan to overpower her large husband. Um, She said she painted the picture of Susan luring him in with a sex game, um, which would explain why he was tied to the bedpost with supposedly tied to the bedpost, um, the candle wax and the ability to power over him. He also then the nicks on his genitals 
were were superficial okay and they weren't very deep like stab wounds um to what the prosecution used to indicate a game of torture you know mm-hmm. um so in the aftermath we're going to kind of skip a little bit um just back to susan in the aftermath of this crime um the days following she cleaned out the joint bank account she took jeff's name off of the family voicemail recording um the day after the stabbing she went to police and pressed charges against him um photos of her injuries were taken she had cuts and bruises um prosecution said that this would have been from the fight when she stabbed him to death Mm -hmm. that would have been from all of that happening um she also told her neighbors that he stormed off after abusing her and after a fit of rage and asked them to call the police if they saw him um, she also called Jeffrey's mother and repeated her story about them having a fight, him abusing and raping her, and then leaving in a fit of rage. He told his, she told his mother that he was abusing cocaine, behind on bills, skipping work, and borrowing thousands of dollars to support his habit. Um, prosecution pointed out that she never reported the abuse or injuries prior to this instance, mm-hmm. prior to her going to the police the day after she murdered him. Um, Siegler used all of this to contend that she was cruel and manipulative and calculating. Um, flipping the page. Um, prosecution called witnesses to the stand, you know, like Jeff's family and some friends that painted him as kind and gentle and a loving man. Um, great family man. One of his coworkers testified that he had overheard a phone call, um, between Jeffrey and his wife, Susan, about Jeffrey misfiling miss um filling out some insurance papers so they couldn't be filed right away and he was slowing down the process mm-hmm. and he said that she was livid about that oh. uh, i feel like Do that we should know be hearsay what, what insurance stuff you know what i mean was it life insurance was the it life health? insurance oh, okay yeah, yeah. i didn't know if it was health insurance or no 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 yeah life insurance like <laughs> but i feel like it could be hearsay because you're only hearing one side of the conversation right. yeah um sure. so i didn't really like that but prosecutors also reenacted both versions of the story both susan's and the version they painted with um siegler acting as susan and her colleague acting as jeff is that Um, allowed like is that a thing it is a thing i mean the judge they 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 brought in and reassembled the bed and the bloody mattress and the reason the defense objected to them portraying susan's side of things was because siegler the prosecutor was about Doing, Susan's size yeah. her colleague was about oh, oh. Jeff's size so she was using that to show like there's mm. no way someone my size could have gotten this size man off of me and wow. so defense was like ah fuck you bitch no that's not what if you admissible. were weren't that size would you have still done it you know what I mean like what if you had a fit of maternal instinct and self-preservation right and so yeah. the, the body can do amazing things wind so. river you run six miles you with no shoes on miles. in the snow uh-huh <laughs> so um Siegler did this to really display to the jury what she meant by this is how she lured her husband into the bed and tied him to the bedpost. And then, you know, she also wanted to Mm -hmm. show them that there's no way she could have overpowered her husband. Um, Susan sobbed the entire time this happened. Um, It was her sobbing, her crying was used as prosecution by prosecution to say that she was acting. She was trying it on when she needed to, Um, you know, that whole song and dance Mm -hmm. that we hear over and over again. So her defense lawyer, Susan's, was uh, Neil Davis. 
he painted a different picture. He painted I keep a picture. You're saying Neil Diamond. I'm sorry. <laughs> Neil Diamond. I just get a picture of Neil Diamond in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, he painted a picture of abuse and fear mm. and secrecy. Um, he brought witnesses in that said Jeffrey indeed had a drug fueled rage problem. Um, they had seen him go through intense bouts of rage, you know, while he was coked out, stuff like that. Um, he had actually. I checked on this. He had actually been convicted of assaulting a stripper he was having an affair with. Um, Susan's friends and some neighbors said they suspected abuse. um, And her hairdresser recalled seeing bruises that would have indicated abuse. And that kind of gave her some red flags. Dang. You think one thing and then you Uh hear the other side and you're like, shit. That's why I was kind of excited about this one. I don't know where I stand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So the defense also stated pointed out that police ignored patched up holes in the walls of their house that looked, you know, hastily passed, patched mm-hmm. up. That would have been from when Jeffrey would throw punches at Susan and miss and hit the wall. Um, there was also a shattered bathroom door frame that had been shattered when he repeatedly slammed the door on her arm over and over again until the door frame shattered. Oh my God. Um, and they mishandled or didn't, check up on evidence they didn't check the bed posts for fibers of mm, from the, the uh, neckties and stuff they also didn't properly file away um stuff that was found under his fingernails and it molded in holding or whatever okay. where they keep that stuff and so that had to be thrown out um, so they couldn't test to see if he had scratched her and had DNA. her skin okay mm-hmm. um dang jeffrey wow. had defensive wounds on his hands which defense pointed out that that meant he was his hands were free to fight they weren't bound like prosecution had maybe he got free you know what i'm saying right getting stabbed you're gonna you're a big guy i don't know yeah and i have so many thoughts about this (laughs) um davis said that she didn't that, that susan did not know about the life insurance policy and she had actually had some newfound fear for her life because she knew that he took one out on her. So she says that she didn't know about the one on him, just on her. Um, He said that Jeffrey, he painted a picture of Jeffrey being a very secretive guy who was very big on appearances. So he, of course, would not want anyone to ever suspect Mm -hmm. that he was abusing his wife. Um, And Davis blamed this attack in this murder on a battered wife's break in reality and sought probation charges um defense sought 45 years in prison um oh and at this point dang her defense or the defense oh their defense okay i'm sorry sorry, yes 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 the prosecution i I meant yeah whoopsie whoopsie (laughs) who are these guys it's a lot no no no. (laughs) defense wanted probation prosecution wanted their defense was 45 okay got it um and this was thrown into play, something that Susan had told her defense attorneys, but no one else. Um, she said that her son Bradley had knocked on the door mm-hmm. while she was stabbing her husband. And she put on a bathrobe and she opened the door and said, everything's okay. And, you know, go back to bed. And he went back to bed. And defense used this to say, why would she... Why, oh God, I forget exactly what I wrote down uh, or what I read because I didn't write it all down. I just wrote kid knocked. But um, they basically said, why would she tell us this? Why would she tell us the mm-hmm. kid interrupted if this was something that was so malicious and so premeditated? Right, like, right, obviously, right. this was done in a fit, in, a, a fit of passion. 
On March 2nd, 2004, um, after only five hours of deliberation, seven male and five female jurors found her, found Susan Wright guilty of murder. Um, Shut up. Yeah. Defense attorneys wanted them to take in a, you know, the sudden act of passion um, in account to lessen her sentence. But two days later, the same jury sentenced her to 25 years in prison. Um, she sobbed the whole time and mouthed, I'm so sorry to her family. Um, her appeals, she appealed once in 2005 and that was denied. Um, she appealed again in 2008 and a new witness was brought forth. Mm. Misty McMichael, um, who... Forensic files. Yeah. And also an NFL wife. <laughs> yeah. She, um... <laughs> Who was an is an NFL wife um, and Jeff's ex fiance? Mm. She testified that her ex fiance Jeffrey was abusive and uh, emotionally, emotionally and physically abusive during their four year relationship. Um, new sentencing hearing was sought was brought about. Oh my gosh! New sentencing hearing was granted after determining mm. that Wright's counsel rendered ineffective assistance during punishment phase of trial yeah. in 2009. Good. Yeah. So November 20th, 2010, she was sentenced to 20 years instead of the original 25. Ooh, um, she got credit out. for time served. Oh, okay. So she was eligible for parole on February 28th, 2014. And she was 48 years old. Um, her children are with Jeff's brother. And he, Jeff's family believes that she did it out of greed for the life insurance policy. They don't believe anything about he being abusive. Um, and they chastise her, of course. Um, she says, she said to them um, during this, you know, 2010 resentencing, I just want you to know that I'm sorry. Again, I am sorry. I'm sorry he's not here. I'm sorry you didn't. You don't have your son and your brother and your brother-in-law. And I'm sorry that the kids don't have their father. I'm sorry that he's not here. Um, she is held in the hobby unit in, excuse me, Marlin, Texas. I saw a couple different places, but I think that's where she is right now. Mm-hmm. She was denied parole twice already. Um, on, once on June 12th, 2014, and the other time on July 24th of 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, she's up for parole again on July of 2020. So that go, you know, that's that's all of the facts and everything. So now we can roll into uh, questions and theories. <laughs> okay, so biggest question: Was she a battered wife? Was this in self-defense? Was this premeditated? Was it merited if it was premeditated because she was an, a battered wife? What do you think? I'll hear your opinion. I'll give mine. I think... I think we're on the same page, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm flip-flopping on my page because I, th- I don't necessarily fully believe... Because there's, there's three different scenarios. You know, the, the first scenario is that he was attacking her and she overtook him. Second scenario is that she lured him, you know, for a sex game. Mm-hmm. And then the third scenario is that um, she tied him to the bedpost and just went apeshit on him. So I think, oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. He, had, he had defensive wounds. So I think that means that he couldn't have been tied to the bedpost. And if he had been tied to the bedpost with, you know, mm-hmm. stuff, if you can say, I had a maternal instinct bout of 
you know, power so I could overpower him, then prosecution could say, or anyone, defense, anyone could say that he, he would have had the... Yeah, to... Whatever, rip, male. To break the neckties, to, you know, break himself from the binds. So I think since they didn't check the bedpost for fibers, since he didn't have wounds consistent with being tied, mm-hmm. um, they were just found on him. I think it's possible that she just might... put him on him. Yeah, maybe to make it easier to drag him out to the yard. Or just to corroborate the story. I mean, maybe, but how, her story. How long, her, was he, how long was he there before they found him? Um, just uh, five days. But so, also, her story was not that she tied him at all. Her story was that he was attacking her, and she maybe you know, they didn't get that far. I you think, know what I'm saying? Maybe they were on him, but they weren't tied to the bedpost. See, I think maybe he. Maybe she was able to overtake him or something, and she tried to tie him to a bedpost or something, but it's also like 193 times is a lot to stab somebody. In the, in the superficial wounds on his penis, that does indicate torture, you know, like a slow, like... But maybe they were... Maybe it's a combination of all these scenarios, mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's like, I don't want to have sex with my husband, but I have to because I am a beaten, battered wife, and mm-hmm. I fucking hate my life, but I'm doing this because it's better this way than not. Mm-hmm. And he wants to fool around, so we'll get out the candles, we'll get out the neckties, we'll get out the little knife to nick your balls up, or whatever you're into, <laughs> right? And then they're done with that, and it's time to tie him up, and she just is like, No. Yeah. Maybe something happened where he wanted to do something that she didn't want to do or vice versa or whatever. And <clears throat> she was like, I'm over it. Yeah. Because I, I don't think it's likely that she was able to overpower him. He's, I he don't was know. I mean, a foot and a half taller than her and almost twice her weight. But I mean, I don't know how big the knife was. It said hunting knife. I'm assuming it's a decent small size. hunting knife. I mean, most hunting knives are what, 12, 13 inches? I think something so. Like that. So I guess that would be small. You Would you use that to nick your husband's genitals? I don't know. Maybe that's all you had on hand. But I just, I think, I don't know what it's like to be stabbed. I'm sure it's not pleasurable, but it would put you into a state of shock to where you're like, get me away from whatever's doing this. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, the moment of chucking her across the room in defense could happen. Mm -hmm. But if she's moving quick, you could be dead in one stab. You know what I'm saying? Especially if it's in your face. It's true. I don't know. I don't I don't know. Like I and he was found with a lot of cocaine in his system. So I think he could be just incoherent. Yeah. And and I think he maybe was How do they do say things that like oh he didn't have a drug? I don't know. Never mind. All right. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Like he had like so so basically everyone agreed that he used drugs. And everyone agreed that he frequented yeah. frequented strip clubs. And I mean using coke one time does not a drug habit make yeah. but still but he had used so much that people knew and that uh, mm-hmm. five days later later it still hadn't been metabolized in his body mm-hmm. so there there was still like a ton left in his body when they found him so it's like i, th- I think pieces of her story are true mm-hmm. i think it's a good point the weird stuff that she did throughout the week that's what i wrote down of like the aftermath mm-hmm. like it's very strange and it Why seems like she was trying to cover up what she had done. But you see about that stuff all the time, whether it's fake or not, whether you're like, I know that it was a fit of passion or mm-hmm. it was a total accident, but 
I know I'm going to get framed for it, mm-hmm. so I'm going to try my best to cover it up, which your best is, I mean, what can she do? She's mm-hmm. five foot nothing trying to carry this guy around, but that's when you call the police. I mean, obviously it's too late, but yeah. <laughs> whatever. She would have had a better chance if she would have just called the police. She would have. And which it, makes you think, was it shock or was it, right. I don't care, because or I'm going to get away with this. If the bits about her, like she also said that she would sleep with a knife and mm-hmm. um, have nightmares that he was going to come back to get her you know he was still alive so was that about put that, on it could be put on or it could be it's years of physical right emotional abuse. a side effect of all that stuff yeah. i uh i wrote down um lying why if not guilty and then i wrote when was the the stripper abuse when did he did that girl come forward or supposedly he had abused a girl a dancer that he was dating or something when was that i'm not sure i should look that up and then when or why wasn't the the football player wife because you know when you're going into trial you hunt down every lead and every person Mm -hmm. and you cover every track that you know of or can or find out whatever so why wasn't this girl brought forward before maybe she didn't know about her you know yeah because she was only 21 when they met and he was like 33 i believe okay that's a good or not 33 i think he was but i mean she could have come forward in i don't know you know, uh, whatever. I just think that's a little. I mean, they should have tracked down ex girlfriends in they general and been like, "Hey, did you suffer abuse? Did you suffer abuse?" So mm-hmm. on and so forth. So I think that was maybe a, <sighs> a mishap on defense's part. But I think so. It's those appeals. It's those appeals that should be heard mm-hmm. because, or should be granted, or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Because new it's evidence like, has come about. Yeah, and it's. Uh, I don't want to say, God, this is like literally what we just talked about. That's uh-huh. so funny how it correlates because it's like the the women should be heard and the men should go fuck off. But like, I don't know. I know. And it's like, ugh, you know, where, where, where do you draw the line or yeah. what's the right thing? What's the right call in that situation? Because prosecution brought up that she had never before mentioned or reported her abuse and it's like okay mm-hmm. if you're terrified for your life you won't no because you, you, you have children and Absolutely. all that stuff yeah. so that's fuck you that's you can't tell a battered mm-hmm. woman what to do but they were also like and you don't know why not just situation. get a divorce instead of murder and it's also like that's nothing better battered woman is gonna do right so he's gonna get the letter or the phone call saying hey your wife filed and yeah. he's gonna be like all right he's gonna find you and kill you or yeah. something yeah and it's so I really want to side with the fact that she could have been a, a battered wife mm-hmm. and suffered years of abuse. Especially because there's so many other women that have claimed. Yeah. But I also... What, why else would she kill him? 193 times is so much, though. But because of the abuse. You know, yeah. they always say that it's because of rage and it's personal. Yeah. And it's like, what? how much more personal can That's you true. get than being beaten and raped? I also wrote that down. of Like, raping your wife wasn't a thing, yeah. you know, back in the day. And I'm so glad that it is now. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I wonder if they brought that into consideration in her trial of I don't like think so probably not no it didn't seem like not, it because he's dead and she's just mm-hmm. raped i don't know i don't know i just i don't know there's too much stuff that was like you said the neckties and the dna under the fingernails mm-hmm. i don't think you can convict someone without every bit of information yeah were they told that they didn't test right for the nails or the nails got messed up or the defense knew that yeah did the jury know that yes okay yes then in my mind if they are privy to that information that is reasonable doubt and you shouldn't 
convict someone. Yeah. I, I don't think it's she should have gotten something as low as parole you, or probation, I mean. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. Because she still killed the guy and mm-hmm. is admitting to it. Mm-hmm. So that's I think something obvious. more like 15 years. Something like that. And that, again, like, if you want to play off that you're an arrogant asshole and, like, I didn't kill my husband. I'm a, a battered woman. You wouldn't plead guilty and mm-hmm. admit to what you did. She's showing somewhat remorse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which shows relative truth. Yeah. And kind of correlates all of the actions she had post-murder. And, dear, you know what I mean? And, you know, maybe... You're scared and all that. Maybe she know. thought... Like, she can't outright, maybe she's too scared to outright tell somebody, I'm being abused. Mm-hmm. But if so many people said that they suspected it, even neighbors, they, they saw, and I don't know, in your head as a victim, you might think, this has to be obvious, people know, and no one's helping me, mm-hmm. so no one's going to believe me. So that can kind of, I would kind of see why your story is a little fucky. Like, I feel like we didn't get the full truth from her. Dude, I don't think she's, I know she's guilty, but I don't think she's guilty for the, she's guilty for the right reasons. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. If you have multiple people saying that she looked beaten up, people that she couldn't just outright contact and be like, Mm -hmm. hey, have my back on this. Like, no. Yeah. You know, that, that's, that's, pretty obvious to me and i think you don't call the cops because you're scared shitless you don't try and cover you don't call the cops after he's dead because you're scared shitless yeah like it's it's everything and you have to get rid of his body because you have small children in the house yeah and she's doing the erratic cleaning like yeah you're obviously again yeah you're imagining that he's coming Mm -hmm. home to beat you because you killed him Mm -hmm. so yeah of course you're going to cover up the body because you don't know what is happening in Uh your life and dude i think like i'm I'm glad in this case that she didn't get sentenced to death. Absolutely. She didn't get sentenced to life in prison. I think it's it's good. I They got to charge her with something, but... Uh. I hate that she was up for parole in 2014, and it's still... It's been denied. denied or Yeah. And it's like... I hope... I kind of hope she gets out on parole in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would really like to know if she's getting any sort of... I'm sure she's not because our prison system kind of sucks but i'm i would like to know if she would be was getting or is getting any counseling any sort of mental evaluations because if she is a sociopath that really took pleasure in killing him and he wasn't abusive at all and she wanted the money then which i i i just don't think that's the case i think the facts that we have are that he was probably drug abusing and he was abusive to her and at least while fucked up yeah and maybe he wasn't abusive to the kids whoops i just banged that um maybe he wasn't abusive to the kids except that one night maybe he never was abusive to the kids but maybe she just hit her breaking point for herself maybe she did do it to defend her children i think the way she killed him like the the way it happened the way it went down i don't think we got the full story from her or the correct story you can't get rid of the stripper. You can't get rid of the ex-girlfriends. You can't get rid of the neighbors and the bruises. It's too much to ignore. So yeah. I think somebody fucked up. Yeah. So. And I think the prosecution did a really good job because they, they got the jury. Everyone so loves a black widow. They, yep. they want to put them away. Yep. And I think defense. I, I think it kind of sucks. And she. um. 
it was either her I read a quote from. No, it was her I read a quote from. She said that she just couldn't believe that people could look in her eyes and hear the truth coming from her and still not believe her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she felt helpless. Her sister was appalled at the sentencing um, because they knew that she was a battered wife. So, man, if you suspect your friend or your sister or mm-hmm. someone whoever, you know or yeah. your brother or whoever is in an abusive relationship like fucking reach out to them man like make sure you do it in the safest way possible but it's like i mean we i feel like we mentioned him a few times already but that's like the scott peterson case mm-hmm. there were a couple of jurors who openly said like there were a bunch that were excused from this case yeah. but they all convicted him beyond emotional reaction yeah like first thing and so any evidence that supported yeah. that he was innocent they had already made up their minds so that doesn't so matter unfair. to them Ooh. yeah man that was a good one i was like super into that just because you just don't know you don't know Ooh. oh yeah. yeah i guess i'll say even though we're not sure how we feel about the victim i'll say his name last jeffrey wright no yeah we're not sure <laughs> not sure we're not his family's we're not very right sure. we're or not wrong yeah ha ha Uh, this is all speculative yes (laughs) i always want to say speculatory but i don't think that's a word i think speculative is the correct word but it's like i always like to say disclude instead of exclude hey siri speculatory a word here's what i found on the web for speculatory a word look at what it wow wow specula t-o-r-i like tory spelling Cool. All right. Well, series useless. I don't think it's a word. I don't think so either. No. No one's listening. No one's listening. <laughs> but um, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And be sure to check out all of our social media for photos on these cases. And links to our sources will be put in the show notes if y'all want more information. And we will be back in two weeks with more Texas True Crime. And if anyone's listening, happy, happy Halloween. Halloween. I don't have to say Merry Christmas anymore. It makes Thank me sad. Thank God. I'm so glad it's over. You know. My birthday's <laughs> next month. We can say happy birthday. Yee! Happy almost birthday. Ugh, gross. <laughs> Bye.